The word of the day is surrender. Um, and just to rehash the morning a little bit, we talked about those three physical battles. We talked about Moses on the top of the mountain with the help of Aaron and her, and of course, Jesus Christ, God Almighty, at his side. We talked about Gideon and the strengthening that he needed through the Lord, but also the great victory he had, multiple victories against Baal um, and the people who worshipped him, as well as um, defeating a, a great army with only 300 men. Then we talked about David, of course, and his victory against Goliath and rehashing that the Lord is our banner and the sword of the Lord is powerful and strong and also that with David the battle is the Lord's and how through, through Christ he not only gives us the physical strength um, to conquer all of our mountains and all of, all of our uh, battles that we face but he also gives us the spiritual strength to do that. Um, and in order, because we live, because he is part of our lives, because we've trusted him as our savior, we have freedom to live as we are called. Um, and then each and every day, though, it's still a battle. And so we have to use the truth that we've been given through God's word to combat evil and sin and darkness and what's in this world. And we have to do that in humility and in love. And that that's kind of the theme of tonight. It's not just about surrender. Um, really surrendering to Christ, it's all about what he's done for you. And then um, we have to do our very best in surrendering to give that love back to him, to return that love back to him. And it's not even a possible task because of his infinite love that he's, that he's given to us through his son. Um, but it is our aim to become more like Christ and to love him supremely. So, I just have four points tonight um, on steps to surrendering and what surrendering really looks like in our lives. So the first one is surrender, love for Christ. It is about obedience. So let's turn to Psalm chapter 40, and we'll start in verse 8. The first thing I think of when I think of um, obedience to um, Christ is John fourteen fifteen. If you love me, keep my commandments. Um, pretty straightforward. Jesus lays it out pretty simply for us. Um, if we love him, we're going to obey him. And so it's a natural thing, I think, to uh, want to obey the ones that you love and please the one that please the ones that you love. I just remember growing up with. Mom and dad, it was it was a goal or an aim of me and my brothers to want to to please them with what we with what we were doing, whether it was grades or I don't know, doing our chores. You might have not have thought so, but I don't know. <laughs> we, we probably made we probably made more of a mess than anything else. Um, but we really want it's it becomes part of our nature to want to please those who we love. Um, I think of even that now being newly married too about how I my my desire is to want to please my wife and prefer her. Um, even more so, it is um, one of our goals that we should be bringing our Heavenly Father pleasure. And when he looks at us, that he is proud of us. Um, so 
Psalm 40, verse 8, it says, I delight to do your will, O my God, and your law is within my heart. So doing God's will, David tells us here, brings him delight. It brings him pleasure, and it brings him satisfaction. And this is pleasure and satisfaction that is properly placed by bringing God glory. And in order to do that, we have to know what his word says. That's why he follows it up that his law is within his heart. Um, You have to know what your father is asking you in order for you to do it. Um, So making Christ part of your nature, it's difficult It sounds incredibly burdensome right off the bat to say, how am I going to obey all that the Lord has um, asked of us in his word? And it seems like it's just too tall of a task to um, achieve. And it is. It is too tall of a task to achieve on our own, which is why we talk about humility why we talk about we can't do anything on our own. We can only do things through Christ's power and through his strength. So his word tells us itself that following him is not burdensome. Um, 1 John 5, 3 tells us that his commandments are not burdensome. Matthew 12, 28 through 30, the main aspect of that, that portion of Matthew is rest. It says he gives rest and his yoke is light. Um, and this isn't about uh, following the rules. It's not about legalism. It's not about earning our way to heaven and having our salvation be through what we do. Um, but that is our, our acts, our works, are, are that outflow of, of our love for Jesus Christ. And we, we're, not, we're not checking the boxes, but instead we're just living a life that is a living sacrifice to him. And so we can be a sweet-smelling aroma, as it says in Romans 12. So, obedience to Christ. That is number one on how to surrender to him and how to love him. Number two, love for Christ and surrender is about priority. So let's turn to Luke 14. And while you guys are turning to Luke 14, I'm going to read to you guys Matthew 22, 37 through 39. Kind of an outflow of all scripture. We first see this in uh, in Deuteronomy six. Jesus said, "You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind." This is the first and great commandment, and the second is like it: you shall love your neighbor as yourself. So, as Christ, Christ ought to be our priority. He ought to be our first place in our life. Um, the more parts of your life that you give to Him and that you turn over to him, the more impact you're going to be able to make for him, the more people you're going to be able to influence for um, the kingdom of God. That's kind of what the second commandment follows. It's like your outflowing of how you love Christ. It's going to spill over in what your love is for other people. Um, And it's so cool to to see how, if if you're following the first commandment, the first commandment with promise, the second one's just going to follow and click right into place. And all that love just spills over. It shows up in everything that we do, too. And it shows up in what we talk about, 
the words that we use, how we say them, our attitude, our demeanor. Um, it shows up in what we watch on TV or what we choose not to watch on TV even, what our interests are, how, how involved we put Jesus Christ into everything that we do. It's even shown in what we, what we eat, what we drink. It says whatever you eat, whatever you drink, whatsoever you do, do it all to the glory of God. It shows up in how we spend our money. I think of, uh, I think of when it comes to sacrificing to the Lord. Um, I think of 2 Samuel 24, where um, King David wants to make an altar to the Lord. And he wants to buy this threshing floor from Aruna. And Aruna's like, yeah, David, I know you want to buy it. I know. But I want to set you up. I want to give you this, this threshing floor. I'm going to even give you whatever you want to put on that altar so you can sacrifice. And he, David's like, I'm paraphrasing here, but I'm not going to give to the Lord that which costs me nothing. So this is that 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 phrase in and of itself is a great lesson for us in all aspects of our life. Don't give him your leftovers. We want to give him our very best. And yes, it's going to cost us something. But in the long run, it's completely worth it. We're living for the kingdom. So Luke 14. You guys are already there. I've got to catch up a little bit. Luke 14, verse 25, it tells us, Now great multitudes went with him, and he turned and said to them, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, in his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. God's really given us a lot of... He's, he's given us family. Um, whether, it's a, whether it's a conventional family where you have a mom and a dad, whether, it's, whether you're adopted, God's given, you, God's given you people that love and care about you. Um, it could not even be blood family. It could be, it could be, it could be um, like I said, adopted, or even friends who have taken you in and care for you. But there are people who care for you. Um, and he tells us here that if we don't hate those people, we can't be his disciple. Now, d- hatred is used in a little bit different fashion here. Um, basically, what it what it is is hatred by comparison. So, compared to how much you love Jesus Christ, how much you're devoted for Him, your love for your family. Your love for yourself is going to look like hatred because of how much you love your Savior. It goes on in verse 27 and says, And whoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which of you, intending to build a tower, does not sit down first and count the cost, whether he has enough to finish it? Lest, after he has laid the foundation and is not able to finish, all who see it begin to mock him, saying, This man began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king, going to make war against another king, does not sit down first and consider whether he is able to ten, able, able with 10,000 to meet him who comes against him with 20,000? Or else, 
While the other is still a great way off, he sends a delegation and asks conditions of peace. So likewise, whoever of you does not forsake all that he has cannot be my disciple. Jesus asks us to count the cost. And then he follows it up with, if you're not willing to give everything for me, to forsake it all, I don't really want it. He wants our all or he wants nothing. And if we, someday we're going to realize it, we'll either, everybody, everybody's going to realize it. It's either going to be now, you can make that decision now. It's like, I'm going to give Jesus my everything. It could be later on. You could sit on it and wait, which I would suggest not doing. You could, you could realize it at the, at the end of your life when you're standing before the Lord. It's like, yeah, I could have given more. But Jesus tells us that no matter what, if we give our all, it's going to be worth it. Amen? All right. So, let's obey God because of our love and surrender for him. Let's make our priority Jesus Christ. And then number three, love and surrender for Jesus is all about chasing after him. Let's turn to Psalm 19. Psalm 19, verse 7, tells us, these are some amazing truths and uh, results of following God's word and obeying him. So all of these kind of are intertwined and go hand in hand. It says, the law of the Lord is perfect. <coughs> the law can be looked at like, uh, like teaching or direction or instruction. Converts the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure. A testimony is something that literally it bears witness to to Christ through His Word. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord are right. Statutes can be looked at as orders or charges. Rejoice in the heart. The commandment or order it can be looked at. The order, the commandment of the Lord is pure enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. So this is where we ought to get our true satisfaction, right? When I think of chasing after gold, the, one of the first images I think of, I don't know all the history of it, but is when uh, all those Miners went out west to to strike it rich and uh, dig up dig up some gold, whether it's from streams or rocks or wherever they could find it. And they were in pursu- pursuit wherever it was. That's where they went, and that should be the same. How we chase our savior. When when I think of when I think of this, when when we're talking about God's word here in verses seven and verses eight. This is, uh, this is God's love letter to us. Um, 
It's the main way that he communicates with us. Each and every day we can have it here, and we can open it, and we know exactly what he's going to say by the words that he gives us. Um, But we also have to remember the power of our God. Just like God's word is living and powerful, the one who wrote it, he's living and powerful. Um, So he is not only going to communicate through his word, but by his, but by other people that are in your life, he's going to use those people to proclaim truth in your life. He's going to use his Holy Spirit as, as our helper. He's going to communicate with us through him. He's going to communicate through us by what we see outside. He's going to give us what we need to see at just the right time to bolster, bolster us up and encourage us. And the list goes on and on and on. He is so powerful, and he uses... He uses things around us to, to just draw us back to him. And so it's not only a chasing, but he also, he also brings us near. Even though he is out there and we have to chase after him, he allows us to catch him, which is pretty cool. Matthew 7, 7 and 8 says, Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks it will be opened. This is really a a testament, it's Matthew 7, about being faithful to communicate with your Savior too. Um, Prayer. Pray persistently. Pray fervently and passionately. Because because our God's powerful, he's going to answer those prayers if we ask according to his will. There's a couple of verses that I'm just gonna. I wrote down, and I'm just going to read. You can write down the references and look them up later and soak them in a little bit deeper. They're all psalms, so they're all about chasing after Him, seeking after our Lord. Psalm twenty-seven eight says, "When you said, seek my face, my heart said to you, your face, Lord, I will seek." That's Psalm twenty-seven eight. Psalm thirty-four eight through ten. It tells us, O taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who trusts in him. O fear the Lord, you his saints. There is no want to those who fear him. The young lions lack and suffer suffer hunger. I couldn't read my writing there for a second. But those who seek the Lord shall not lack any good thing. As the deer pants for the water, brooks, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. Psalm 42, 1 and 2. Then Psalm 105, 4 says, Seek the Lord in his strength. Seek his face evermore. Never stop pursuing him. Then Psalm 119, verse 2 says, Blessed are those who keep his testimonies, who seek him with the whole heart. We'll talk about that in point number four, seeking him with our whole heart. And all these passages, they lay it out pretty simply for us. Um, I love how chasing after him and making him your priority and obeying him, it involves all of our senses. The touches, the tastes, the sight, the smell, the hearing, it all comes with pursuing Christ. Like I mentioned earlier, the more parts of your life that you give to him, the more he's going to be able to use you for his for his kingdom and for eternity. And our senses, they're often used, we, see, we often see them as a bad thing, like 
I can't, I'm, I'm not supposed to feel anything. I'm not supposed to feel pleasure because that's what, that's what, um, that's what is seen as evil, sinful, sen- sensual. Um, but really, when our desires are placed in the right place, when they're placed in Christ and we give him the glory and we give him the priority, he will take over those parts of our life if we give them up to him. So let him do that. So we have obeying Christ, making him our priority. We have chasing after him. And then number four is loving our Savior, surrendering to him, is about worshiping him. Let's turn to John 4. So this is the story about the Samaritan woman at the well. I'll just run through kind of what happened at the first little bit here. She runs into Jesus at the well, and Jesus asks her for a drink. <laughs> and she's surprised that <laughs> he's even talking to her because the Jews, the Samaritans, they don't, they don't ever get along. But he starts talking to her, and he starts talking about um, living water, a challenge from our Savior, that if he, she were to drink of the living water, she would have everlasting life. She still thinks he's talking about water, but... They get talking about her sin, about how she's living with this guy. She calls him her husband. Jesus calls him what he is. She doesn't like that very much. She doesn't like being convicted of her sin, so she tries to change the subject. She starts bringing up religion. You must be a prophet, Jesus. And starts talking about, oh, the Jews, they worship in Jerusalem. The Samaritans... This is where they worship, up here on the mountain. And Jesus brings it back a little bit, and he he talks about what her need is. It, it, we'll, we'll talk about what her need is, but he also addresses, re, addresses this uh, religious difference here. It says in verse 21, John 4, verse 21, Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming, when you will neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship the Father. So Jesus brings it back, and soon he says, you know, after I, after I die for not, not just the Jews, but all of mankind, it's not going to matter where you worship. Worship is here. It's in your heart. It says in verse 22, You worship what you do not know. We know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. So at this point, Jesus is a, is a Jewish, Jewish. Um, he's a Jewish savior. Verse twenty-three. But the hour is coming, and now is when the true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for the Father is seeking such to worship Him. So basically, when it's when he's talking about true worship. He's talking about in your heart, 
It's not just at a specific time. It's not for 15 minutes on Sunday and a couple songs here and there on Wednesday. It's a, it's a 24-hour, a day, a seven-day-a-week commitment to giving Christ the credit and the, and the worthiness that he's due to give him all the credit for what's going on in your life. And he, and he really brings it back. He really ties that with her need, her need for a Savior. It's like Jesus understands that this woman needs, needs him. And then it goes on to say that God is spirit, which he is. I mean, man, hasn't, man has never seen God at any time. To us, he's invisible. Although he's revealed himself to us through his word through his son, Jesus Christ. God is spirit, and those who worship must worship him, must worship in spirit and truth. So it's a must. You have to have the combination of spirit, which means worshiping worshiping him with the right heart, worshiping him with everything that you have. That's the spirit aspect of it. The truth aspect of it is you have to do it, your worship, that is consistent with Scripture and what we find in the Word of God. So we have to be properly informed of what, how we are worshiping. And you can't, it doesn't say spirit or truth. If you're worshiping just in your spirit, um, it's going to be more of a, an emotional thing, a euphoric thing, almost like a, like, like a high where... Um, it's fantastic you're worshiping him, um, but it's going to be short-lived. It's going to be shallow. And once the emotion is over, once you lose that, that goosebump feeling, then your worship is gone. If you worship him in truth alone, the passion isn't going to be there. The zeal isn't going to be there. It's almost like a... a mentality where it's that check check in the box again. So there needs to be that combination where your spirit, your passion is there for serving the Lord. Your heart is in it. 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. And you're doing it based on the Word of God. So those are four points. How to surrender to our Savior. We need to worship Him. We need to chase after Him. We need to obey Him. And we need to give him first place in our lives. So let's close in prayer. Heavenly Father, we just come to you right now. I just pray that we would make make a change, whether it's a big change for some, small change for, for others, maybe, Lord. But, Lord, I know that I need work. Just just looking at your word and seeing seeing where you want us to be. I just want to have more of a relationship with you, God. I just pray that we would give you the priority. Each and every decision of our lives, each each day, Lord, help us to help us just to see how much 
how much sweeter life is when we are living for for our master. And knowing that when there is dependence on you, that's how we are able to live the most free. So I pray that you bless us as we go, Father. Give us safety. Help us to be thinking on the things of you, meditating on the things of you. I pray for Pastor Melissa too as they're away. Just keep them refreshed and help them to help them to come back recharged and ready to continue serving you. In Jesus' precious and holy name we pray. Amen. You are dismissed.